I'm Gray. Wait, I thought we were saying our last names. Poopy. Okay. Hi, I'm Gray Bulla. And I'm Marcy Bulla. And I forgot what the rest of my... What is? What do I say? You go, I'm a writer. And then you go, I'm a reader. And you go, this is... And I go, book it. It's literally a few words and I messed it up. Okay, hold on. Another time. Hi, I'm Gray Bulla. And I'm Marcy Bulla. And I'm a writer. I'm a reader. And this is... Bookends, a literary podcast. Where we talk about... Books. Books, 2021 edition. We're Mm -hmm. here. It's January. It's It's a new year. Marcy, do you have any New Year's resolutions? Um, I made a few. I've already forgotten a couple of them. (laughs) Just right out the window. Um... One of some of them are like health and fitness related, um, as everyone who's ever lived makes those kinds of resolu- resolutions. Um, I am down to a goal of reading 24 books this year, down from my usual, like, I don't even remember. I think I did 50, 52 last year. Um, then I read like much more than that the year before because I wasn't in school now. Um, so I'm trying really hard to just. We got one book a month for this and then to read one more for funsies on my own. And that's like all I can do. Yeah, that's fair. I am keeping with my 100 books because I'm insane, but it's already proved to be hard. I'm already a little behind because I wiped my Animal Crossing island completely. Goodbye. It's gone. It started over. And so I've literally done nothing but play Animal Crossing for 12 hours a day every day for the past like two weeks which is not good in terms of my other life responsibilities. But I'm also not in school until February because, I don't know, they decided to do that. So I just have a lot of time, and I guess I decided to spend my time doing that. So that's what I've been up to. That's what I've been up to. That's all I did this summer, so I understand it. Once you get started on a project on that game, you have to you have to see it to completion. <laughs> like, you cannot stop. <laughs> did you make any New Year's resolutions, Gray? Um, I did my normal read some books, whatever. I have a few writing projects that I put up there, like finish this, start this, blah, 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 blah. I'm trying to see if I can write a poem every week because I'm wondering if forcing myself to do that will make me actually do it. And so far, I haven't written one for the second week of January. So maybe not, but maybe yes. We'll see how, how I keep up with that. One of the, I guess, the general health and fitness, whatever, whatever, et cetera. Um, I've been eating more yogurt. That's what I've been getting into is Was that a goal or is that just a pattern? My goal was just like things with with like good things in them because like we're vegetarian. So it's really hard for us to get protein, as I'm sure you know, Marcy. And I was like, hey, that's probably not super great. So I should try and like actively seek foods that have more of that other like and not just be like we all get it somehow (laughs) and then eat literally nothing but bread and cheese (laughs) and so i found this family curse it's just bread and cheese that's all i want all the time forever and so i found this yogurt that has like a lot of protein in it or whatever and then i realized that i actually do like yogurt and so i've just been eating a lot of yogurt a lot of breakfast foods and nothing else Mm. is yogurt a breakfast? i understand is what is yogurt a breakfast food I think it's a breakfast to lunch food. Like breakfast I think breakfast to lunch the morning time. Yeah, it's a it's an earlier in the day lighter food. Um I used to every single day for lunch pack myself a Chobani yogurt with 
granola in a little plastic baggie. This episode um, the, is sponsored by Chobani. <laughs> it's sponsored by Chobani. Um, the white cheddar natural Cheetos, a clementine, and a bagel with strawberry cream cheese. And that's what I had for lunch like every day for all of my adolescence. <laughs> I agree with that. I We've got a weird energy today. Yeah, it's because it's uh, 12.59 a.m. <laughs> that's why. Yeah. It is. I mean, this is my morning, basically. This, yeah, this is midday for you. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, I've been going to bed at one a.m. pretty diligently for the oh, past so couple weeks. So I'm at bedtime. Just, yeah, bedtime. Um, I'm currently watching my cat. Uh, I installed some shelves for him to jump on, and they are on the wall across from my bed. And he is about to leap across the room. Ah, he's done it. Good job, Zeus. What would you like to say something for your victory? Please meow. Good work. That was really good. <laughs> I'm very glad we got that on tape. <laughs> he just leaps like halfway across the bedroom. Um, it's always very intimidating when he does. And he has, in fact, done it in the middle of the night, frightening me out of my mind when Uh-oh. he comes flying from the sky, landing on me while I'm asleep. So he's a wonderful little evil boy <laughs> who now lives with a dog. Yes, yes, my roommate got a dog. Um, so we're working on the dog cat introductions. Uh, Zeus is bizarrely unbothered by her like smell and stuff. Um, so we started the introductions, and what we did for that is we have a gate that he can get over, but she cannot. So mm. he just gets to come and observe her like th- like he's at the zoo. Um, <laughs> And just see what she's up to. And he gets to decide like when he wants to meet her and whatnot. Um, now, why doesn't she get any any autonomy in this situation? Because the dog is the much more dangerous one in this situation. Oh, that's a fair point. I didn't think about that. Yeah, because she's twice his size and could rip him up easily if she wanted to. And she doesn't want to. She's very sweet. Um, but he has to be the one that has all of the autonomy. Um Cat and it's been really fun to watch him just sit there staring at her, thinking like, you're a dumb looking cat, aren't you? Um, Is that what today, cats think about other animals? I don't know. I assume so. They look at it, kind of everything with derision. So I figured that That's that true. was their internal monologue. Um, he does not know how to interpret any of her body language. Her whines, she just wants to play. Like She's just like, oh my God, that's a friend. And she wants to play with him. He does not know how to interpret any of it. He's gotten brave a couple of times. He's jumped over the gate and come say to say hello. Um, today, he did hiss and smack <gasps> her on the nose. <laughs> she oh, no. did not interpret that as aggressive because Oop. she doesn't know what he is. Is She just continued wanting to play. And then he <laughs> ran away. No one was hurt. And I figured they kind of needed, like, they need to just face each other, you know, in a safe and controlled way. Um, so. I like that. Yeah. He did do something horrible and evil, though. Was it the thing you Snapchatted me about? I, I don't remember. It was Did I Snapchat you at 6.45 in the morning in utter fury? Because that's when so. this happened. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he was... We have to keep them separated. And so he's having to spend more time locked up in my room um, than he typically would. And he does not like this breach on his routine. So last Thursday... Um, I was awoken to the sounds of him using his litter box, which I don't, they don't always wake me up. I don't know why it woke me up that day, but it did. And then I felt him jump on the bed and I was like, oh, he's coming to cuddle. Um, No, I could not have been more wrong. Instead, this cat pulled up right next to me 
just right next to my shoulder. And I was like, oh, he's going to cuddle with me. And then I feel something warm. And then I, I'm mostly asleep. And then I realized that my cat just went and used his litter box and then decided, you know what? I'm going to make a statement and ran over to pee directly on the bed right next to me while I was asleep to let me know that he was unhappy with his living situation. Why is he so evil? Why is he so vindictive? He has malice in his heart for me sometimes. And then (laughs) I was like, okay, message received. I will allow you out of the room more. And the past 48 hours, now that his restrictions have been lifted, he is happy. He's hanging out. He but now you just rewarded again. his behavior. And that's the thing about cats, though, is their autonomous little things and their bad behavior just means you have to adjust. <laughs> I'm not a cat owner, sadly. So yeah, I, I'm learning. Well, because he was like, excuse me, I'm bored sitting in here all the time. Let me out. And if I didn't let him out, he would just continue to pee on my bed. I mean, there was no communicating to him. No, you're in here for your own safety and it'll be okay. You'll get out eventually. No. no and in the meantime, with I, Zeus. there's no bargain with Zeus. In the meantime, I cannot keep doing loads of laundry. They are, it's too much. <laughs> yeah. That is the good thing about me not being a cat owner, even though I desperately want a cat, is that I don't have to deal with that. But I, I also. Mean, not all cats are as like blatantly vindictive as this monster that I have <laughs> taken into my home. <laughs> he's so he's such a large cat and he's so vindictive and he's so wonderful and I love him and he's also horrible. He's also afraid of everything, so he just has a lot going on. <laughs> he's got he's multifaceted. I said faucet. He's multifaceted. He is multifaceted, like a public restroom sink. Exactly. Exactly. He's anyway. Got- so many things none of this is interesting this is just it's interesting to me cat peeing (laughs) well it's fine i'll cut all of that out and then no one will know about your cat peeing (sighs) i'm letting you take the reins on this one it's your episode oh okay i have to steer this ship yeah you gotta steer this ship okay well do you want to do you want to get on into it then let's do that okay (laughs) we can do that we can we can we can get into it um so as we have alluded to, we're changing some things about bookends. We got rid of the themes because um, we're only doing one episode a month now. Um, and it doesn't, it so just doesn't make sense to have a theme and have only one episode a month at the same time because then that basically means that we can only do six themes the whole year. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I agree. It's not it's not really worth it at that point. So that's why we ch- chose to get rid of the themes, even though it worked for what we were doing, but we've moved on. We've grown. We've been changed by the years. We're also trying to focus more on new releases um, and things that yeah. are like currently relevant. So that helps because when you have a theme, it, it can be really hard to pick stuff that actually like yeah we weren't it. we weren't necessarily nice to ourselves in terms of picking themes that would um be both relevant to new releases and also fun and also interesting and also easy to find books that fit the theme like it was we weren't really nice to ourselves about that necessarily uh which you can see that by the fact that we did a whole whole theme on pirates and then only had one book with the mention of pirates in it so I think pirates might have been our greatest failure to I date. Think, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The kiss of deception. Is, do we count that as a failure? I don't know. N- no, no, no. The book 
was bad, but that's not a failure on our part. Pirates. Oh, was I see. Like, Pirates was our fault entirely. Yeah, yeah that was on us. Fair. We did. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't think. We didn't think about our our actions and the consequences of our actions. <laughs> so. Anyway, all that to be said is, do you know what I have planned for you today for our segment? I do not. What do you have planned for me today for our so, segment? So, um, it's you know the new year. We mentioned it. Um, and as people are making these New Year's resolutions, a lot of people are making resolutions to read books, like we talked about. Um, and they might be looking for some recommendations. So I, in the spirit of the new year, um, wanted to give some kind of targeted book recommendations. So I'm going to be giving a fantasy series for each of the like elements of the astrological calendar. So the fire, air, earth, and water signs. Um, I'm going to be giving each of those elements uh, a fantasy series. I think they would enjoy Um, because I read a lot of fantasy in the last year um, and there's new stuff coming out. There's some older stuff I kind of want to talk about that I feel like I haven't heard much about. So um, I wanted to give some fantasy recs because I read a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, fantasy is kind of your jam. So it is. Cool. Fantasy and chiclet. That's all I ever want to read anymore. I've just decided why would I want to read something that doesn't excite me in every way. So, Is there fantasy chiclet? Um, Surely. N- not like you would want there to be. Oh. That... There's one, there's actually a book on this that I think like could maybe be argued is, but that's just because it's a romance. But Chiclet to me needs to be like contemporary. Mm. Like it needs, yeah, yeah, it needs to be like a 20 something in today's world doing her thing or 30 something doesn't be that young. But I think someone should do an urban contemporary fantasy Chiclet. I would love that. I would do it. Read the heck out of that. Absolutely. And I think there's potentially things like that, but they go straight to erotica. They skip over the chiclet oh, and they yeah. go straight straight into erotic zone, yeah. um, which is fine if that's your thing. But that's not that's not everyone's thing. Yeah. You know, it's not your um, thing necessarily. No, not my thing necessarily. So instead for you, I have four fantasy series. Um, I'm also a big series person. I don't know about you, but I really like to get at least two books in a world. I, I like to sit in it. series. Mm. So, you like to make yourself comfortable there. I do. I like to come feel like to pull up a chair, you know. I like to know my surroundings, kind of get a lay of the land. Figure out what the floorboard is. I don't know mm-hmm. what that sentence mm-hmm. was. Figure out what the floorboard is. Like, you know, like yeah. what kind of like the carpet, like what it kind of is. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, I don't think it takes a lot of time to like assess the makeup of the floor, though. Like, you kind of get that upon a first impression of a room. But I mean, like, I'm looking at this rug in this room. I don't know what it's, what it's made of. Do you know what any rugs are made out of? <laughs> I, um, maybe fabric. Yes? <laughs> I mean, it's a textile. Balls. Maybe? Okay. No. Okay, give me no, your no, rug. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to move on because I don't know what you're talking about. It's fine. Okay, all right. Let's let's get into it. So for fire signs, which are Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius, um, I'm sorry I've talked about this series before, and I think I actually recommended it to Aries last year in my Zodiac recommendations, um, but the last book just came out, so it's relevant again. Um, 
And so that is, and you're going to be sick of hearing it because I talked to you ad nauseum about this. I'm excited. And Ember in the Ashes by Saba Tahir. The yeah. last book was released like last month. This is the end of 2020. Um, so you're like, if you were wanting a new series and you don't have to wait for anything to come out, this is the perfect moment. There's still hype around it, but you have four books and it's donezos. You can no just, waiting. No wondering. You can go all the way through, which I love. Um it's one of those books that is shelved as YA, but I would argue is new adult. Um, Are they I like feel 19 like, and up characters? Yeah. They're yeah. like 18 to like 22. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And also it just is, um, it's not a YA fantasy. The, like the, the world of it is more mature than that. Not that like there's anything wrong with YA fantasy worlds, but this world just, it just feels like it is a little bit more, um, I don't want to say sophisticated because that sounds like it's derogatory to younger things. It but just, you know what I'm are you just say. saying it like it has different concerns? Maybe? Yes, that is yeah. a good way to say it. It has different concerns than a YA fantasy would necessarily have. So if you're thinking like, oh, I don't like YA. Well, guess what? This one's not really YA. The book community just doesn't utilize new adult like it should. And there you go. Um, so my little intro to An Ember in the Ashes by Sabah Tahir is that Laia, who is our protagonist, or one of our protagonists, uh, she's a slave in the Martial Empire, daughter of the greatest leader the Resistance ever had, and she is determined to save her brother and her people from martial rule. Contrast that with our other protagonist, Elias, who is a mask, which is like the most elite soldier in the Empire. He's determined to get out. Both of them are on these parallel paths seeking freedom, and they're both exhausted by the violence and the fear that they're living in. And neither of them can foresee like how fate is going to pull into the center of this plot that ends up being so much bigger than either of them. And that's all I'm going to say without giving away any spoilers. You can read the description on Goodreads. It gives like a little bit more, but it's really vague too. The point though is that this whole book is set in a world um, that is based off of ancient Rome, but it isn't a book about Rome. I want to say that. I think it can be a little misleading in some of the descriptions. Um, it's not like a roman mythology book do you know what i mean they um saba tahir just took like the military structure and like the culture of rome of being very like nationalistic a bit of a tyrannical government and that sort of thing and applied it to this own like unique world so it's not a book about ancient rome don't get that in your head i think that also um this is a book that has really wide appeal because even though it is like technically a fantasy um, the magic in the world isn't that common, and most of the action is very like military based um, and very like hand to hand combat based. There's not a lot of like flinging. There's there's no flinging spells at each other. It's the magic is more about like this like deeper, greater plot going on, and it's not about the everyday people having access to it. Um, so it's not like a high fantasy in that sense. There's no like elves or dwarves or anything. Um, it has a ton of action. It is so suspenseful. Um, it will really keep you turning the pages. But what I'm really appreciating, because I'm actually rereading it right now so that I can like, you know, finish the series and read the last one, um, is I'm really like enjoying that Tahir really pushes the characters. And so you're reading because you're like, oh, I need to know what's going to happen next because everyone's always dying, almost dying all the time. But I'm really appreciating on the read um, – their arcs and the way that she makes them grow in really unexpected ways and really um, 
she just has like crafted a world that is like very complex there's so much just like foreshadowing that you don't appreciate um until you're rereading and it just takes so much skill to weave a story the way that to hear weaves the story like it's very much satisfying once you're going back and looking at it and seeing how losses are coming together but not in a way that it's predictable you don't you can't see every turn coming you can only appreciate when you're looking back on it uh how all the pieces fit together and i haven't even finished the series so if you're someone who really likes plot driven books i think you'll enjoy this but i think you'll also really like it if you like character driven books because she puts these poor characters through hell just just absolutely um and i think they are so strong and compelling um and they're very flawed and they're very human and you actually end up with three different narrators i love a multi view book like all books all my favorite books are multi views um and all of our three points of view are really unique um and they have very distinct voices and i really love one author being able to write from that many different points of view um and having them sound so distinct and Um, having them struggle with different things and also those different things still relating back to like the major themes I just think she just she just is a really excellent writer from like a very like broad sense and she also writes beautiful sentence by sentence she's she's got the macro and micro down (laughs) and I just I really enjoy the series it is not a gentle book um it really struggles with people that are trying to do the right thing in extremely challenging situations with very little information and the empire is evil in the way that all like fictional empires are but you also get to see it from the inside um, and from the people who love it and who dedicate their lives to it um, and I think this book does a lot of blurring like the idea of a black and white good and bad person and how different people could have different motivations that lead them to the same outcome but because their motivations are different you know one might might, might be quote-unquote bad and one might be good and I just, it's kind of top-notch world building and character building. So like, what else could you want? So my recommendation to you, Fire Signs, is pick up An Ember in the Ashes by Saba Tahir this, this year. You won't regret it. It's amazing. You'll get lost in it. Just, just enjoy it, please. So that's my uh, recommendation for Fire Signs. Well, what thank you very you? much for that. I will shut up about that series now. Um, no, it's okay. I remember I you the other day being upset in the kitchen, and I was like, what's wrong? And you were like, death happened in my book. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of death in this book. Yeah. If you're not chill with character death, don't don't read it. <laughs> Just going to say that. I'm weirdly not chill with character death in a way that I don't think I used to be not chill with character death. Hmm. Like, I read a thing recently where I thought that the character was going to die, and they didn't even end up dying, and I was still, like, I was so shaken by it. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) I used to be able to just, like, chill with it. Like, I was like, it's whatever. They were a character, but... I think I'm weirdly okay with it in books where there's a lot of violence, because if it didn't happen, it would be like, well, that seems unrealistic. Like, someone's... Yeah, that's fair gotta get hurt i'm someone's gotta get hurt i'm very upset when i'm reading a book that is like not explicitly about violence where someone dies especially if it's unexpected oh yeah oh my god i was reading uh i'm not gonna say which book it was i was reading some chiclet and the book is like you think all gonna be about like the main girl and the dude she's interested in and then in the last few chapters the author is like psych we're gonna kill the best friend 
Oh, I, re- I remember you telling me about this. Yes. Yeah. And it was very upsetting to me. That That's very upsetting to me. <laughs> I read this book. Lot. I'm also not going to say what the name of the book is because, you know, obviously. But it, it was three POVs. And then halfway through the book, the third POV person got got died. He got killed. And he I was like. ended? Yes. And he just, he just didn't have any more POVs because he was literally dead. And then the rest of it was just the other two characters. And I was like, where am I? I don't like this anymore. I was so, I felt so betrayed. I was I so mad about question it. Question for you. You might not know the yeah. answer to. Um, when did having books that are told from more than one narrator catch on? Because that seems to be a relatively recent thing. Like, I don't feel like I read a lot of books in school that were like classics um, or things that were considered to be like very literary that had more than one narrator. But almost every book I pick up now has more than one point of view. That's a good question. And I don't know when it got. I don't know when that happened. I think I think it lends itself most easily to like fantasy or things with like a lot of moving parts because duh, it's just easier to tell the story if you don't have to stick with one singular character's information. So I think like maybe that's why it isn't as common in like literary fiction and like classic literature because they're not usually like high fantasies. I mean, I didn't read classic fantasy, but it's not like they make you read those in schools, I guess. But I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I was I just do, thinking about it. I do it. love multiple points of view, though. Well, but even a lot of the um, YA I read, or a lot of chiclet, too. Not all of it, but a lot of chiclet, you'll get both the guy and the girl's perspective. Yeah. But I think that comes from, like, the <gasps> audience Sorry? just wants to know more. Hold on. Tater Tot is here. Hello. Who, who is Tater Tot? The cat. What are you talking about? Tater Tot, the kitty cat who lives at the Sonic next door to our house. Oh! She's a feral cat, and she is taken care of by the people at Sonic, I guess, because she has a little cat house and food and a little nameplate that says Tater Tot, do not feed her. But I just saw her outside of my window, and oh, she's perfect. We have been, uh, t- to everybody else that isn't Marcy, we have seen this this cat. She's orange and white. We have seen her come to our house and just like, in like at nighttime and just sort of slink around in our backyard since I was, like literally since I was a kid, I think. And she used to get into like little little squabbles with our cat because our cat was like, "Uh, uh-uh, what are you doing here? Not so much anymore because we don't really let our cat outside anymore. But we only found out like in the past month that she is a stray cat whose name is Tater Tot and who is taken care of by the Sonic people. And we only figured that out because we saw her like sitting at the door of the Sonic, <laughs> like the... She the place where they go up, in to make the food. She straight up sits outside of the kitchen door, and I we yeah. saw someone come out and lay a towel down for her. Like, <laughs> I love it. I I was very, I'm very excited to have seen her again. So I'm sorry. I'm glad she's anyway. settled down. You know, I she know. Has a home yeah, now. <laughs> I feel comfortable now that I know that she's um taken care of by somebody. That Sonic's got her back. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to my next recommendation. Um, This one is for the air signs. So our Libra, Aquarius, and Gemini. In 2021, I have a slightly older recommendation for you. I think this was written maybe three, four years ago. But I was looking through my list of things I've read. And I think that air signs would enjoy this. And I'll get to why in a second. Um, This is from the famed author. She does not need my help. (laughs) None of these people do. I appreciate Um, the honesty. But this is uh, the series called... Flame in the Mist by Renée Adier. Um, I have complex thoughts about this book series as I do about all of her writing because I kind of hate her writing on a sentence by sentence level. <laughs> like, 
I didn't know that. I don't like it. Huh. Um, but you like in the, the micro sense. But I like the characters and like the plot. And I've read huh. most of the things she's ever written. Um, which I think just goes to show you like how much the different aspects of the book like can be important and outweigh each other. Because even though the way she phrases things and chooses to say stuff makes me want to cringe half the time, I am compulsively read her writing. Like I cannot put her stuff down once I start reading it. Um, and a lot I of people feel that way. Oh, I'm sorry. I was gonna say a lot of people don't have any issues with her writing, so I, I don't want to not recommend it because of my weird personal things. Especially because I still read, I still read everything because I think she has really interesting ideas and she executes them well. It's just it's a weird relationship I have. <laughs> yeah, I I appreciate a, a complex a complex nuanced relationship. I feel that way sometimes. I'll be reading like a YA book, and I will keep reading because I'm interested in the plot and the characters, but the, like some of the things the characters will say, I'm like, <sighs> like I read a book the other day that, that unironically kept talking about being a girl boss, and <clears throat> I didn't like it, but I was compelled by the plot, so I kept reading, and then I was also listening to an audiobook the other day with my boyfriend in the room, and I, I wanted to keep listening because it was like a mystery thriller or whatever, but they kept having snippets of these like teenage girls conversations and this character kept being like, you're like so random. And I was like, this is embarrassing for me to listen to, but I do want to know what happens. So I'm going to keep listening. But I'm going to put my headphones in. <laughs> so, oh yeah, I get it. I, I understand. I understand this. Yeah. This is one of those for me where I just, I don't know what it is about her writing anyway, though. This is a romance. This is, this is if I were to shelving this, I would shelve this as romance before I shelved it as fantasy. Um, but I still think it is fantasy. Like there's still like a magic element to it. So that's like appropriate. Um, so Flame in the Mist uh, follows Mariko, our protagonist. She is smart. She is cunning. She's an accomplished alchemist. Um, but she's also the daughter of a samurai. And she has had to come to accept that her place in life is just to marry for a political gain. And that because she's a woman in her society, that's all that she can do. Right? Wrong. Uh, she barely escapes death at the hand of a clan of bandits. Um, and then afterwards, a la Mulan, which is what this book gets compared to a lot she dons boy clothes and infiltrates the clan that attacked her to seek out the information on like why she was targeted and to take them down from the inside love it um but of course as she is undercover um she gets really close to the men who've taken her under her wings and because nothing's ever simple she ends up discovering um a bit of a conspiracy and some history about her people and realizing that like what she thought was right in the world isn't necessarily true. Um, and a lot of her beliefs are challenged and all that. And she falls in love. So there's a lot going on. Um, I thought it was a really, like, it was obviously, like, fun and feminist. Great. Um, and I think people got kind of disappointed because it's not actually, like, that much like Mulan, other than the fact that it's a woman in an Asian society deciding to dress as a man to reap the benefits of looking like a man, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and in that way, it is like Mulan, but it's not It's not Mulan. It's not a Mulan retelling. So I think some of the advertising on that can get misconstrued. Um, the second book is called Smoke in the Sun, and it follows her. Um, we kind of leave this, like, countryside, and we're now into the courts of feudal Japan. I won't say much more than that because it's hard to say anything that doesn't spoil the first book that relates to the second book. But the interesting thing about the series is that I actually liked the sequel, like, 
a thousand times more than the first book in the series. Really? Mm-hmm. Why? I rated, I don't, super, no. Um, I rated the first book like a two to a three, and I rated the second book like a four to a five. So oh, like, wow. Overall, I think it's worth reading the series, um, but definitely like stick it out through the second book. Um, the reason so I you, picked, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, you rated it a two to three, and you still said, no, I'll read the second one, and it worked that, out for you. That is the draw of her writing, though, is like, even oh. if you're like, I don't really know if I like this, you can't put it down. Um, Renee Adier just, I don't know what it is. You just want to like devour her books in like an afternoon. The romance is there. She keeps the pacing so that you just want to like, you just want to keep reading. I don't know what she does. She has some sort of like sorcery over everything (laughs) that she writes. Her protagonists are like strong and smart and flawed in a way that makes them compelling. And I think this book has like a good amount of magic in it so that it feels like you're in this kind of like fun new world. But the reason specifically that I picked this one for my air signs is because ultimately it's more about human relationships than it is about the magical world. The magical world is just because it's like a fun setting. Um, It's not necessarily essential to making it happen and in a lot of ways the world is more real than it is magic there's definitely magic elements but it is still set very much in like feudal japan um and so i thought my air signs would appreciate that um that kind of like focus on like the people and their interpersonal relationships and that's a flame in the mist Adie. there's only two books in the series so it's a much quicker read um you know you can get through this really fast like i said it's bizarrely addictive and I don't know why this author can somehow do no wrong in my eyes. <laughs> I don't Except know what for the, she does. on the word for word. I don't know what it is about her that like irks me and intrigues me. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the complexity of being like this is an intoxicating compelling series and like something about her writing just makes you want to keep reading it and never put it down but also every other line makes me want to cringe like i really like like, so like that i don't know what it is (laughs) and it's she writes such good romances too so like if you want something that is like kind of fun and different but it's still a romance like i think this is a really good choice for you because it's i haven't really read anything else that's like it even though it is like somewhat derivative of mulan but i think that's sort of a paltry kind of comparison like i don't really think they're the same at all (laughs) so i hate when you're when you're picking up a book and it's been compared to other things and the only thing it has in common is like one like minor element but people keep comparing it to that i we talk about this all the time but the fact that every single book that's like gay and ya gets compared to love simon and it i don't know why it irks me but it does yeah, I, I agree. I don't like these. I mean, they're comparisons that are made for advertising sake. That's all. Yeah, yeah that's know? true. Every other book is like, it's a mix of John Green and, um, oh, what's another YA? Love Simon. <laughs> yeah, just like that's it. Like, <laughs> If you like John Green and, and Becky Albertal, you'll love this book. And I'm like, that doesn't tell me. It tells me a little bit, but not enough. I mean, not sometimes enough. that's helpful. Like, I feel like it's more helpful when it lists a whole author because then you're like, oh, Oh, that's that's like a whole vibe. I think when they list like it's like a singular book, it starts to be like, is it? (laughs) Yeah, because then it because then it feels like it's like. So what you're telling me is it's just the same book and I should read the same book again if if they only give one book. This is just like Harry Potter. Okay, why would I read it then if it's the same thing? We already did that. We don't need to do that again. (laughs) What do I need it again for? Okay. Anyway. Um, speaking of something derivative, my next one is derivative. 
but Ooh. not. And that's part of the appeal. So for my water signs, Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces, you and me are both water signs. So these are close to my heart. Um, I'm recommending the series The Hazelwood by Melissa Albert. Have you heard about this series at all? The name sounds familiar, and I feel like I can I can envision. It has cover, a beautiful cover. But I don't know what um, it's about. So, in for reference, it has a little bit of buzz right now because the sequel came out last year, and then the a companion book that's not like actually in the series, but it's just in the world, um, came out last month or so. So it's it's done mm. and over, but it's kind of like the world is still fresh. Still fresh, yeah. Um. And I recommend this for water signs specifically because water signs, we are mysterious, we are emotional. Um, and I also feel like we like things that are very like whimsical, but also dark <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. Right? That feels right. So yeah. the Hazelwood is for anyone who like really loves fairy tales, who had like a really cringy Alice in Wonderland phase at some point, but who cannot resist something that is both whimsical and macabre. <laughs> I love that combination. It's, yeah, it's exactly, I think those are the two best descriptors I could use for it. So, The Hazelwood is about Alice, of course, uh, who is the 17-year-old granddaughter of the world's most acclaimed and reclusive fairy tale writer. She and her mom hop from home to home her whole life. I'm sorry, did you just hear the world's loudest vehicle going by? I, I did, and I thought it was like your phone or something. No, that was just some dude on a motorcycle. Oh, okay. Anyway, she and her mom hopped from home to home. Um, seemingly to like narrowly avoid disaster her whole life until one day her mom is kidnapped by a supposedly fictional character from her grandmother's book. So Alice has to then go on this whole odyssey to find her mom and get to the bottom of this like cruel, dark fairy tale that has come to life. Um, And she ends up making her way to the Hazelwood. And her definitions of herself and of reality are both like irrecoverable. What is that? irrevocably i say that word wrong every time irrevocably her definitions of herself and of reality are irrevocably challenged um and then the second book the night country uh this series like takes kind of a turn here and it goes into a different setting um because we're now following the aftermath of after she has discovered the hazelwood and the hinterland um and so the sequel is set in modern day new york city i guess technically the first one is too but we don't spend as much time in the city um so the sequel is more in New York, um, and it still has this mystery and whimsy, but it is really gritty, which is like a kind of a fun turn. The Hazelwood has this like glimmer to it, um, but the Night Country settles more into creepy and dark territory. So Love I it. just think it's a really interesting concept, um, and I think Albert took fairy tales, which are something that has been like overplayed and done and i think she distilled them into like what we find interesting about fairy tales instead of using our familiarity with fairy tales as a crutch does that make sense um it does she doesn't rely on stories that we already know she actually made up her own like fables um and so it's based on like the undeniable draw that people have to short snappy stories like that that have have a moral have something kind of off about them um and especially ones that are darker and forbidden um like her the fairy tales that are in this book are more a la Grimm's fairy tales of like people dying and horrible things happening um 
And also Alice is a really complex protagonist. She is definitely like an anti-hero at times. Um, she struggles with like darker thoughts and impulses and she has to reconcile that with her view of herself. And I just think it's a excellent book that took stuff that I think has been played out probably to death and made it interesting and new. And it's like dark and gritty, but it's not dark and gritty and like the teenager being like, what if it was like Alice in Wonderland on drugs? Like it's like... What if he was smoking weed? <laughs> exactly. It like has like a genuine um, like darkness to it, and I mm-hmm. I think it's delightful. Um, I think it's a really good book to read like on a rainy day. It'll leave you feeling a little bit like haunted, but also somehow a little bit homesick. And I don't know what that's about. I think it might just be the nostalgia factor. You should Albert write. You should write like blurbs for people. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, you should write those. Like, you know, when you go to the back of a book and instead of having the description on the back, they have like, this book will leave you reeling or whatever. And it's by someone you've never heard of. You should do that and just like make up a thing that you're like known for. <laughs> just, you know what I, mean? I like I'm not an author. I am just a blurb writer. I'm just a yeah. trusted blurb writer. <laughs> you just write <laughs> like really cool other and, and good descriptions. Yeah. So then it's not oh, like a you. appeal to your your famousness. It's an appeal to your use of language. Oh, that's nice of you. I was trying to think of interesting ways to describe these things because if you don't say interesting things, it's just like and the book was good. <laughs> yeah, you should read it. So. That's how I talk about books. <laughs> As I talk about my own books, I'm like, and there's this guy, and he's sad, and that's like the only way that I know how to talk about it. Anyway. Anyway, that's The Hazelwood by Melissa Albert. I think all you water signs need to read it because y'all got got some like dark spookiness hiding underneath all those tears. I know it because I am one. (laughs) Do you have dark spookiness hiding beneath all your tears? I don't know if I have. Like, I don't think I am dark and spooky, but I like dark and spooky things. I like to be a little scared. I like to be a little creeped out. I like reading horror. Yeah. Um. I don't like watching horror. I have like a very strict no uh, visual violence policy. Yeah. But but you love a, a reading it. I do like a reading it. So, I mean, even as a kid, though, I always liked the I always liked ghost stories. And I remember you used to have that like big that. book of like classic fairy tales in your room. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's sitting on the like communal bookshelf now. And no one has picked it up since. Gotcha. I never read through that. That was purely an aesthetic choice that I made. <laughs> you said, I want people to think I read through it. Because I, I went through a cringy Alice in Wonderland phase. Yeah. I, I was an appropriate for age for it, though. But it, yeah, was, it was before the big movie reboot, though. And I, I stand by that. Oh, I was the, Tim, the curve on that. The, the Johnny mm-hmm. Depp, Tim Burton, whatever. Yes, it was pre that. Yeah, makes sense. I just decided at like age 11, like, I'm going to read Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland. I remember doing that in fifth grade, but I don't think it was. Why did I do that? I know. I remember being like, I am reading this. I am reading this. Well, because it wasn't like actually for kids. The whole thing is just a bunch of metaphors, like making fun of like the current political situation. But you don't get that as a 10 year old in 2008. (laughs) Yeah. You're just like, what's the Jabberwocky? Whoa. There's a turtle now. Okay. And that's just like the whole thing. Humpty Dumpty's here. What's he doing? Anyway. What's he up to? What's he up to today? What's he up to? <laughs> what crazy adventures is Alice going to get into next? I don't know, and I don't really care, but I am 10, and I think it's cool, so I'll keep doing it. Anyway, what's the next so, What's uh, the next group of signs? I don't remember. All we have left are Earth signs. Oh. So that's our Taurus, our Virgo, and our Capricorn. Um, I have a lot of friends who are Earth signs, a lot of close people in my life. I like you, Earth signs. Um, 
And Earth Signs, I'm sorry, I'm going to give you a series that isn't finished and that we've already talked about in the pod, but I was just going through and anything else I picked didn't feel right for an Earth Sign, so I bet you can guess what it is. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's a song of Wraith and Ruin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I yes, picked this. Yes, yes. I'm not going to go into great detail because we literally have a whole episode about it. But and then we also I talked about it last episode for 600 years. Uh, yeah, we did. Um, I will say I am recommending this for Earth Signs specifically because I think this is a fantasy that anyone will enjoy. Earth Signs are practical and grounded. And I think that this book will speak to them because this is a book about human stories that just happen to have magic in it. It's not a book about the magic. And I feel like oh, an earth sign might get a little bit fed up with fantasy that's like just straight up about magic and about, you know, like the politics and the world and it's not really about the people. Could not be more untrue for this book. This book is all about like universal experiences um, or widespread experiences. I guess no experience is truly universal. Whatever. <laughs> I just think that Brown knocks essentially every single part of this book out of the park and that also Earth Signs will specifically appreciate like the craftsmanship of the storytelling because it's it's just it's there. It is it's there. It is crafted. It's and there. that's all I'm gonna say about a song of race and ruin because I've talked about ad nauseum. Yeah, we can't keep doing this, but I wanna keep doing it. I will not be mentioning it again until the sequel comes out, in which case I will continue to mention it probably and then, a lot. And then we'll 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 raise our embargo on that and be able to just open the floodgates of talking about the series and then it'll just be all song race and ruin all the time baby (laughs) it's like the only fantasy series you've ever read with me (laughs) that is true and you know what that's okay because it was so good if there was one fantasy series yeah for us to have read together i'm glad it was that one oh how sweet i know thank you brown for bringing me closer together with my with my sister And those are my recommendations for starting out 2021. Um, I'm excited for what's around the corner this year in terms of books coming out. So there's a lot of very cool 21 books coming out. This is a good year for publishing, I think. Oh, yeah. I feel like maybe I've just been reading a lot of good books, but I felt that way last year, too, where I was like, this is a good year. This is a good year of books. I don't know. Maybe we're just good at picking books to read. Maybe. I don't Maybe know. we just I feel like don't waste our time with books often. I feel like there's a lot of presumed bangers coming down the pipeline, though. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Like, things that I'm like, I think that's going to be good. <laughs> that's fair. All right. Shall we get into the book of the, the month? Let us pivot into our book of the month. So the book that we are reading for January of 2021 is These Violent Delights by Chloe Gaunt. The year is 1926, and Shanghai hums to the tune of debauchery. A blood feud between two gangs runs the streets red, leaving the city helpless in the grip of chaos. At the heart of it all is 18-year-old Juliet Tsai, a former flapper who has returned to assume her role as the proud heir of the Scarlet Gang, a network of criminals far above the law. Their only rivals in power are the White Flowers, who have fought the Scarlets for generations. And behind every move is their heir, Roma Montagov, Juliet's first love and first betrayal. But when gangsters on both sides show signs of instability culminating in clawing their own throats out, the people start to whisper of a contagion, a madness, of a monster in the shadows. As the deaths stack up, Juliet and Roma must set their guns and grudges aside and work together. 
For if they can't stop this mayhem, then there will be no city left for either to rule. Perfect for fans of The Last Magician and Descendant of the Crane, this heart-stopping debut is an imaginative Romeo and Juliet retelling set in 1920s Shanghai, with rival gangs and a monster in the depths of the Huangpu River. So that is These Violent Delights by Chloe Gong. I'm going to come out the gate hot. I'm going to come out blazing hot. The gates open. I'm a comet hurling (laughs) towards you. Um, This book is like so exactly up my alley. It's upsetting. It's upsetting. I'm so glad that it is. I'm very glad that it is. It's, I mean, even if you didn't like pick this book, this is a book I would have, I would have picked up eventually on my own. It's, it's too everything I want. (laughs) Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, 1920s. Romeo and Juliet retelling, Shanghai, all of the all of the things already. Boom. Everyone's in a gang. I love it. Everyone's, Everyone's in a gang. There are guns everywhere. I'm don't know what it is, but I just like want there to be mortal peril in the books that I read. You want everyone to be like, mm, I could die. I could yeah, probably die. It's compelling. <laughs> <laughs> you like really high stakes. That is true, actually. I do the higher the stakes, the more I you like often the book. will go through Goodreads and just look at things that are like supposed to be really highly rated or like are really popular and it'll be like this haunting story that follows the depths of a relation of a marriage and what we'll go through for love and family if it's i'm like but is anyone gonna die (laughs) because if no one's gonna die i'm not it's gonna bore me (laughs) if there isn't a gun i don't care i don't care it's gotta be a gun there's gotta be a cliff there's lots of guns in this one there's There's lots guns and knives lots of knives Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A gorgeous knife on the cover. Oh, the cover! So gorgeous. Also, I just want to point out how beautifully written that that like synopsis was. Because hello, really Shanghai hums to the tune of debauchery. Yes, I think it does. I have a Thank whole you. section of my writing review about Shanghai, so I'm not even going to touch oh, that me right too. now. Oh my god, we're matching. Okay. Anyway, so let's just get into it. Enjoyability out of the gate. What'd you put? 4.5. Oh, uh, same hat. <gasps> same hat. Wow. Four, two 4.5s. I, I, I loved the setting. I loved the... I, I, there's really not anything about this book I didn't particularly like. Um, I thought it was beautiful, like, in every way it could be, while still being very, like, tough. Um, mm-hmm. It was dark and it was violent, which the word violent is in the title, so one might expect that. Yes. I also was really nervous, and maybe this is more for expectations, and I should save it, but... I was really nervous with it being a Romeo and Juliet retelling that Juliet was going to be as like passive as, and impotent as she is in the actual Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. And I was delighted that she was not. She was mm-hmm. kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't necessarily say she, like she's an anti-hero, but she's a hero with complex morals. <laughs> I will say. Yeah. I mean, she's yeah. the heiress to like a an opium gang. Um, but she was like strong and she had like real agency. Um, and I was very happy about that. I also thought it was really interesting that she uses this sort of ditzy flapper girl persona in when she's like, when she wants to get what she wants with other people. She weaponizes other people's expectations of her. Yes. And I thought that was so intriguing, especially because we like, as a reader, you're so in her head that like, obviously 
there's not a moment where you're where you could even begin to be fooled into thinking she's a ditzy flapper girl because you're in her head and so then she'll have moments where she's talking to someone else and she'll be like oh it's so hot in here i think i might faint and you're like oh she's playing them so hard right now just i really liked that um i also really obviously i gave it 4.5 for the enjoyability i took my time with this book in ways that i haven't taken my time with a book in a while partially because there isn't an audiobook out yet. There's about to be, but not yet. And so I was just reading without that. And I kind of rush through books most of the time because I just there's just so many to read, you know, and that I just I just want to get through it as quick as possible because like I'm enjoying it and also there's so many other things and so I'm like if I'm going to get 100 books done in this year, I can't spend 7 of them on one. You know what I mean? So I have to be pretty fast I try to be and I wasn't with this one and I'm glad that I wasn't because I I I didn't want it to end and I think I would have been sad if I'd read it in one night because I feel like I've let it sort of ruminate in my brain longer and sit with me and I feel like this book needed needed that of me so I'm glad that I did that I did the exact opposite and I devoured it in like two days (laughs) that's also that's also a strat that you can employ that's also a Although, honestly, I'm kind of sad that I did that. I look forward to the fact that this is going to be, I think there's going to be two, right? It's going to be duology. Yeah. Yes. I duology. kind of let myself do that, too, because I knew there'd be a second book and then I would reread it. I always reread before I pick up the newest book in a series. I didn't um, know that about you. Yeah. If it's going to be like a year between when things happen, I don't retain information well enough to, to not do that. <laughs> that's that's very fair that's why i give up on series a lot honestly is because i don't want to do the rereading because i'm horrible and so then i'm like i don't remember anything from the last one just like <laughs> to me if it's not worth the reread i know that it's not worth me picking up that final book that's you know what yeah I mean? that's a fair that's a fair litmus test i think like if i'm not excited to get back in the world anyway it's like why would i spend money on purchasing this new book <laughs> Yeah, why would, I, why would I spend my money and time on the second one if I wasn't excited about the first one? That's fair. I'm just evil and horrible. So, hee-hee. But I gave it a 4.5. We both really liked it. Why? I, I didn't give it a 5, and I don't know why I didn't give it a 5. And I don't know if there's a reason. I didn't give it a 5. I've said this before. For the same reason that my sophomore, my, my sophomore year of high school English teacher didn't give out 100s, and that is because, quote, nothing is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is fair. Even when he had no feedback, he would not give things 100s. He would give you a 98. And so that's what it is for you is you're like, I don't have any feedback. I think this is really good. Not a, Nothing is perfect, so I'm going to give it a 4.5. I have, I'll, I'll say, there's like one category where I have some feedback. So I think oh, okay. that's probably reflected where here. Gonna, but yeah. it's not like, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. 4.5 felt right to me. So I just, I'm going with it. Very high rating. What did you give for balance? This is the one that I took points off for. Um, this might be my this might be user error because I read it so quickly. You know, I struggle with if balance is me or the actual thing I'm reading. Yeah. Um, but I decided to give it a three point five. I just thought it took a little long for the mystery to really ramp up. Um, like I feel like we got a lot of it right out the gate because the whole illness and they tell you this like in like the first couple chapters they don't put in the synopsis I don't think but you I don't think this is a spoiler the illness is that people like rip their own throats out it kind of like, says it in the synopsis but 
I think if you haven't started to read the book, you're like, what does that mean? So I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So like the illness is literally that people like a la bird box kill themselves um, by just literally digging their fingernails into their throat, which is like very upsetting. (laughs) Um, Deeply, deeply violent. So that's that's a real shocker right at the beginning. So you get that right out the gate in the first couple chapters. And so you're really invested because that's the shock value of that is so intense. And then I feel like there's just too long of a lull between when you find that out and when you find out other information that is compelling and mm-hmm. then that it wraps up a little too quickly at the end. Like I just thought that it was not evenly distributed. Mm-hmm. Um However, I'm reserving some judgment because it's part of a duology. And when I have a series like that, I like to take a more uh, more of a helicopter view if I can. But I don't have the other book, so I don't know if in the grand yeah. scheme of things that pacing makes sense. So yeah. judging it just on this book because I cannot judge it on both, I'm going to 3.5. But like, it's all very subjective and it did so well in so many other parts, but... I had to, I, I, was, I was like, if I have to think critically about it, here's what I have to say. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. I, I feel, I understand that. I think I wasn't bothered by it, even though I did notice that because I was invested in the characters that I, like the moments it took away from discovering more about the mystery. I was not really, I wasn't, I wasn't distracted by that because I was, I was interested in what Juliet and Roma were up to. So I think that's why I wasn't bothered by it, but I do, I do understand what you're saying. So I gave it a four because I'm evil and I don't know ever how to do the balance rating. What were you going to say? I was going to say, I will add to balance. I would have liked more Juliet and Roma, but that's because I'm a little hoe for those kind of interactions. So that's all. I'm hoping we get more in the second one because it is a duology. Yeah, that's what I was telling myself too, is like, we haven't even seen where this could go. And it's a retelling of Romeo and Juliet. So they're gonna, they're 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 gonna gonna have more, more more romance. It's... I don't think that's a spoiler to say that, the, that there's a romance. Yeah, I mean, if <laughs> you kind of just say this is a Romeo and Juliet retelling, and then you're like, and it's not romantic, I think I would slap you. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like come on, get with come it. Come on now, come on now. So, so yeah, I gave it a balance. Um, I gave it a balance. Yeah, sure. I gave balance a four because I don't ever know how to judge balance, and I feel like I was satisfied more than normal with the pacing. Um. That's about it. That's about the only reason that I gave it that. I think I could be swayed up or down in either direction, but I'm currently going to stick with a four. Expectations, what'd you give it? So I gave it a four. Um, I mentioned that I was like very pleasantly surprised with Juliet. She is not the simpering, sad 13-year-old girl of Shakespeare's Juliet, and I really liked that. Um, I expected this book to be really good, and I thought it was really good. Um, but I don't really want to take away points for it being really good. <laughs> so I'm going to give it a four. <laughs> That's very fair. I gave it a four um, as well. I think for me, a lot of the expectation stuff is coming from... So obviously, obviously, it is Romeo and Juliet retelling, as we have said, and as is very clear. But the way that the, Romeo and Juliet is played with within this story is was extremely surprising and clever, I think. Um It isn't, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that it is not a direct, like, you can follow the plot beats of Romeo and Juliet. Like, it's, there's monsters and there's gangs, so obviously it's not following that plot directly. Nor would I want that. I actually think that's that's to the benefit of the book, not the detriment. (laughs) Absolutely. But the way that it's sort of, like, 
I'm trying to think of elements I can talk about that aren't spoilery. <laughs> um, ah, I can't think of any that aren't spoilers, Marcy. What are you trying to say? Maybe I can translate. <laughs> so, okay. So, okay. This isn't a spoiler because it says in the synopsis. Here's an example. Behind every move is their heir, Roman Montagov, Juliet's first love and first betrayal. So you know this. They've already had a romantic relationship by the beginning of the book. That is not true of Romeo and Juliet. And so it's playing with this, like, like friends to lovers to enemies to lovers, question mark, that you did not have in the original Romeo and Juliet. And so there's these sort of, like, callbacks to to what you would have expected expected of a Romeo and Juliet retelling when they're talking about their backstory and then but that's not what you're getting during it and I thought that was smart that it isn't this sort of like they're 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 meeting in the book of like oh we have a whatever I don't know what I'm saying anymore Marcy do you know what I'm saying I don't know what you're saying anymore I can comment on the nonsense you were saying though and that it is refreshing to have a romance where they already have a history um it's just nice to have a little variety in Get like the romance genre sometimes. It can be a little one note. I mean, and that makes sense though, because most most romances are people meet and then they're interested and then they get together. But I really like the like they had a past and it was like very simple and sweet and wholesome because it was like their first love. And then horrible falling out and betrayal. And now that yeah. they've grown up and they've changed, they've been through a lot like finding each other again but as the new people that they've grown into very compelling to me okay i'm going to say i know what i'm trying to say but it is a spoiler so i'm going to say it to you marcy and then i'm going to bleep or take it out of the podcast just so you know i'm not insane and i do have a thing i'm trying to say so the specific moments that are in romeo and juliet that he's playing with are (laughs) that was what i was really like oh this is good that was what I was trying to get at is is these like small little oh, yeah. little bits that are from the yeah, original it, and you know it is, but it also works in an entirely different way. Yeah, it takes things that like you're expecting. And so you're spending the whole book expecting like, well, there's like four big things that happen in Romeo and Juliet. So how is she going to incorporate those things? And yeah. then the way that she chooses to incorporate it turns your expectations around. And that was very simple. Also, I appreciated that although this book is not LGBTQ, um, the representation in it was still nice to have. Yeah. I was I was also thinking about thinking about that um, earlier today about Kathleen, who's a trans woman. Um, I don't know what character she. I don't know if there are direct translations of like this character represents this character in Roma and Juliet. Obviously, Juliet and Roma, and then you have um, Marshall. Who's Mauricio? And then what's his name? Bene- Bened- Benedict. Benedict, who is Benvolio. So you have a few of those characters who are direct, direct sort of. Well, I don't think Juliet had a like entourage in the yeah, play. No, she did she? No, she. But did they needed not, to give her but, an entourage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have Tyler, who is Tybalt, and you have Paul is Paris. Paul is Paris, and you have yeah. um, Rosalind, who I think is. Rosalina, maybe is that her name? I remember there being a Rosa <laughs> I don't name, know. <laughs> but but I don't think Kathleen is a direct one to one, um, which is fine. I don't think every single character needed to be, even though it was fun to be like, ooh, Marshall and Benedict, that's Mercutio and really whatever. Anyway, um, but I really liked her, and I I really appreciated seeing that. I always love seeing like background LGBT characters in books, even if that isn't like what the book is about, because like. You know, it's just like very humanizing and it's a fun surprise to be like, 
the story doesn't have to be about this to also include them because we're literally everywhere and we're just like normal human beings. Um, well, that's like part of the goal of representation is to like just have people be normal and it be normal. <laughs> ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be a whole thing that like Marshall is 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 a, is a gay. I don't think it says his sexuality exactly, but obviously he's a queer person. One of them, I don't remember which of them. One of them, they alluded to like he'd been caught in closets with boys. Yes, yes, that was Marshall. Was yeah. he had been caught, and so he like had had to defend himself because people had found out. And then he kind of has a thing with Benedict because, of course, oh, him and Benedict are obviously in love. Obvi. I don't even think that's a spoiler to say. That Not is right off the bat. That is there. You you cannot not read that. So anyway, they yes, don't I know really it, but they don't know it. But I know it, and that's all that matters. <laughs> so, um, writing style. I think we already said what our ratings for that one was. No, we didn't. Oh, I thought we. I thought we talked four point five. No, that was enjoyability. I'm. I gave writing style a five. So. Oh, you went up a whole five points from me. I or did. Point five points from me. I did. <laughs> a whole five points. You gave it a whole zero. Five <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I hated it. No. There wasn't even any writing in this book. It's just blank pages. No. Um. Why'd you give it a five? I think I know. I why, like but... literally don't think there could have been anything improved. Like in terms of like prose, I it was gorgeous. It was luscious. It was quotable um it was rich i also you know i have such strong opinions on when you can and can't use slang in a book and this book did not use any 1920s slang and i think it is better off for it i just i think i you when i was reading and i noticed choice <laughs> a tasteful choice when i when i noticed that there wasn't any of that i was like marcy's gonna like this marcy's gonna be thankful you know how i feel I agree. It pisses me off so much. It takes you out of the world immediately as soon as it you start really to, to use weird slang. Like, no. And not to be your English teacher, but Shanghai was its own character, and I was so here for it. Oh, absolutely. I have a quote. Well, it's like a whole I have a paragraph. quote. It, if it's <laughs> the, same the same quote, quote. I will, I, that'd be very funny. Uh, you do yours first, and I'll do mine. Okay, mine is, and this is a description of Shanghai, the city, and this is like, I loved the the theme of it all throughout the book. Like, it was very much about the city itself. So, then this city mutilated itself with a wide, wide grin. It dragged a knife down its cheek and took the blade to its chest. Now it worries not for finding suitors, but merely for running wild, drunk on the invulnerability of inherited power, well-suited only for profit and feasting, dancing and whoring. Now it may be ugly, but it is glorious. So that's not <laughs> the same one that I did, but I think that would be very it's... funny if it was. I think so mine is literally though. like a page later and it's about the same kind of like they have this thing about how Shanghai is called the ugly daughter, which is what that was describing was was Shanghai metaphorically being like, well, I don't need any suitors. Um, mine is they have always said that Shanghai is an ugly daughter, but as the years grow on, it isn't enough anymore to characterize the city as merely an one entity. This place rumbles on Western idealism and Eastern label. This place rumbles on Western idealism and Eastern labor, hateful of its split and unable to function without it. Multiple facets fighting and grappling in an ever-constant quarrel. Half scarlet, half white flower. Half filthy rich, half dirt poor. Half land, half water flowing in from the East China Sea. There is nothing more but water to the east of the Shanghai. Perhaps that is why the Russians have come here, these flocks of exiles who fled the Bolshevik Revolution, and even before that, when their home could no longer be a home. If you decided to run, you might as well keep running until you came to the edge of the world. That is what this city is. The party at the end of the world. Just like mic drop. Now, I've never been to Shanghai. 
<laughs> and I've never been to sh- anywhere in the 1920s. Yes. But unless you're the hiding way something, that right? unless I'm hiding something, I'm actually <laughs> a time traveler. Um, I just I I have no words for how well she writes these descriptions. I they're poetic and they give me chills like I literally got chills reading that. They're so good. Party at the end of the they're world. They're so good. I'm going to die. Chloe like, Gong <laughs> just did an amazing job. She's like 19, guys. She's <laughs> I can't I she's like 22, it. but but he's he's counting, not me. It's fine. We're like I don't know, age she's young. <laughs> she's like my age and I'm a little intimidated by it because I'm like, hello, same places in our in our in our careers. Um I careers. did want to discuss with you though yes. your thoughts on it being done in third person. Really? Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if I agreed with the third person choice. I didn't dock any points for it, obviously, mm-hmm. um, because I don't think it took away anything. But mm-hmm. I just I like first person a lot. Um, and but third person yeah. does keep it more formal. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I'm not bothered by the third person. I think there it would be a way to do it in first person and have it be just as good. But I think it would have been a little bit harder to do it that way because of the fact that like I think some of it's beauty comes from how fluid the point of views are and how quickly it can become someone else's point of view someone else in the city somewhere somewhere else you know what I mean and also I think that like it just could have been a bigger project to try and like really nail down the 1920s voice first person voice specifically because when you're in third person person sure when you're in third person you have like I feel like you have enough distance that like you there was no there was no 1920s slang right like there is no like like informal voice of these characters in their head being like i don't even i can't even think of an example of 1920s slang to make fun of but i think <laughs> if you'd done first person you would have had to be someone with a much deeper knowledge of the exact way that people talk to them but also maybe there would be a way to do it without doing that i don't know i wasn't bothered by the third person yeah personally i like I do like the idea you said the fluidity of like switching points of views. It is very much like um I mean you have a narrator. Like it's not necessarily that you are reading the book as it's happening. Do you know what I mean? Someone is yes. telling the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The I mean the very beginning is from basically the monster's point of view, which I thought was a very True. interesting and, and Did smart. Did forget about that. Yes. I also I mean the fluidity like it's literally like within paragraphs you can switch to what someone else is thinking without it being clunky or feeling abrupt which I think is also part of what makes Chloe Gong such an amazing writer is that like there would be times where I didn't even really notice until after the fact that like oh that was what Roma was thinking even though I thought that at the beginning of chapter we were in Juliet's head you know what I mean so that's why I wasn't bothered by it but well, you have me convinced. I'm glad ha, I picked ha, your ha. brain on it. <laughs> <laughs> I will say the one the one thing that I, I don't love is I am personally not a fan of people using four. Do you know what I mean? Like in using four? Like let me think. Let me let me find an example. So instead of saying because, you would say four. So in the, in this in the synopsis it says, as the deaths stack up, Juliet and Roma must set their guns and grudges aside and work together. For if they can't stop this mayhem, blah, 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 blah. Mm, yeah, and I understand that. It's unnecessarily I, formal. Yes. And I don't mind that every now and then. But I did. There were moments where I felt like it was it was used a lot. And that's a personal pet peeve. Not a big deal. But that's the only thing I can think of where I was like a little too formal. You know, I'm but. shocked that didn't bother me because, you know, you know how I am. 
Yes. I'm so picky about those those like single words. Um, I think I thought it just fit the tone, so I just kind of mm-hmm. let it go. Yeah, very very personal thing. What did you put for memorability? Um, I gave it a four. I thought the story was really unique. Um, and I think the fact that it like plays off of things that are familiar and then turns them on their head makes it more memorable because you already have a thing to connect it to in your brain. But then you saw how it was changed um, and was unexpected. And so I think that makes it like easy to recall. Like it's kind of a clever way to make sure people remember what you wrote actually. <laughs> yeah, using points of references that the reader probably already has and then being like, you thought this was going to happen? Psych. This other thing happened, but this other thing that you did think was going to happen did happen. So then you're just like on your toes a little bit. Yeah, exactly. You spend the whole book like waiting for certain things to happen and then those expectations are not met, but not in a bad way. They're just things don't play out how you think they're going to. And so you're surprised by it. It's good. It's a good surprise. We love good surprises. I also gave it a four. I, along with all the things that you said, I also think I just, I really, 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 really liked the characters i was very compelled by them i don't think there was a character i wasn't compelled by even the ones that i didn't like i really loved roma and Juliet's romance uh, i that their romance really worked for me and i just i think i'm just going to be thinking about them for a long time so i think that that will stay with me certainly at least until the sequel comes out and then i'm sure that that one will stay oh with me absolutely too, so i will say their romance was like i, I will be thinking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah the complexities it's not an easy romance like it's not like i feel like in a lot of books where there's like there needs to be a conflict for these for these characters so that they can't like be together or whatever or you know that third that third act um romance novel fight that they have and then they break up but then they reconcile and get back together it's usually something pretty like not that big of a deal ultimately a miscommunication yeah super not what this one was this one was like oh that was a big deal. Do you know what I mean? And I liked yeah, that, that like, was... Yeah, like, y'all had an understandable breakup and are now hate each other's guts for reasonable reasons. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I really appreciated that that wasn't simplified, that there was never a moment of them being like, well, it's fine because ultimately we love each other. You know what I mean? Like, like it wasn't like, and... Yeah, there was it's no okay. brushing over it. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't swept under the rug or just like glazed over. It was, yeah. we sat in it. <laughs> oh, we sat in oh, it. Also, Roma slash Romeo, he's such a little soft boy. I know. Even though he's like the son of a gangster and like the heir to whatever yeah. gang. He just like, he doesn't like being violent. You know? He doesn't he like feelings. it. He doesn't want to be violent, even when he I has really to like be. And also, he really cares about his little sister, which, as we all know, is a very endearing trait for men to have in romance books. He's caring about younger siblings and, like, that sort of protectiveness. Are you saying that because you're a younger sibling? Yeah, a little bit. I'm always like, aw. (laughs) You care about me. You're fine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, I really liked that, um, like, the political intrigue of the book. I wasn't expecting it to be as sort of, like, tactical political movements whatever as it was i was very caught by the monster thing obviously and that's obviously a big thing but then also there's this whole thing with like the communists and the nationalists and then the french and the british coming in along with the um the scarlets and the white flowers and like this sort of who has control over shanghai 
And there's all these beautiful descriptions of the way in which the British and French are coming in and like basically taking advantage of this turmoil that they're in in a way that like the Russian people were not doing. Um, there's this whole paragraph that I included in what I was going to say and then decided against it, but where the Russians like merged inward and like kind of wished to learn how it was there. But then like the British and French just like saw Shanghai collapsing in on itself and were like, ooh, we're going to take advantage of the fact that you're in disarray and that you're like struggling with all this stuff. And I don't think of myself as someone who really wants to read books with like political intrigue or whatever. And so I was surprised by how much I did enjoy that. And maybe that means that I actually do like that. Or maybe that means that Chloe Gong is just like really good at it. Or maybe it's both. I don't know. Either way, I really enjoyed that. So I agree. I think we would be amiss to not mention how much this book condemns colonialism as it should. (laughs) Yeah, get out of here, colonialism. Get out of here. There's also this really interesting thing with Juliet and her name and how she's the only one who's like... Well, and her whole identity. Yeah, yes, and her whole thing. I, I really liked Juliet. I don't remember much about Romeo and Juliet because I read it my freshman year of high school. And I don't even remember if I actually read it or if I just spark notes it. So I don't know. But I do know that I was incredibly compelled by this version of Juliet, by this take on her. And I really Yeah, she's like, you want to know more about her. Oh, yes. She has depth and breadth and whatever else you could want. (laughs) (laughs) She has all the things you could want out of a fun, complex, morally great character. I love her. I also really, side note, really liked the line... um, it was talking about when she was like kind of starting to realize that like, well, we're not really strictly enemies anymore and I don't really know how to feel about it. Um, and she says, it might've been him. I don't know who says it, but the idea is like, it, here it is. Was the line between enemy and friend horizontal or vertical? Was it a great plane to lumber across or was high, high wall either to be scaled or kicked down in one big blow? I almost put that in one of my quotes to include. So I'm glad that we both you, were like, yes. You, what's one of those things that you read and you sit there and you like ruminate? Oh, yes. <laughs> like, there's oh, yes. definitely like those moments in this book where you're like, oh, that was like a truth that you just said. And you have to yeah. sit there and think oh, about that, it. <laughs> that was a truth. And then you sit in the truth and you take it in and you say, thank you, young adult novel set in the year 1926 in Shanghai, Romeo and Juliet retelling. Anyway, what did you give it for believability? I gave it a four, um, like above average, because I feel that it had a task to, to accomplish in terms of like it being set in this real this real setting. Um, but then having this like weird mist. I don't even know if it was science fiction or magic, like whatever it was of mm-hmm. this madness. Um, I like that she did a pretty good job with it. Uh, I got a little bit fed up this is so nitpicky um, of the like hiding in plain sight moments where her and Roma are like out in public together, like fully visible by other people. And the, like, the idea is that like, Oh, it's too crowded here for anybody to notice. And I got a little bit fed up with those where I was like, no, somebody would notice. Come on. Come on. Um, I do wonder how much of that is like, like, you know how people are always like, oh, Superman, he just puts on glasses and does his hair a little yeah. bit differently and he's a different person. But then you also have like Dolly Parton not winning a Dolly Parton in impressionist like contest. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that where it's like, yeah, how, like <laughs> things that are not in their expected context are not yeah. viewed the same. <laughs> yeah. So 
I do understand that though, being like, I don't know. I'm like, I feel like if it was like once or twice, I might be like, yeah, whatever, I guess. But I, I it was, a, it was a pretty frequent thing happening. So I understand. I think I also still have some questions about the whole mechanism of like the madness thing. Um, but also there's a sequel, so I'm not going to dock points for it because it might just be that I'm not supposed to know yet. <laughs> yeah, it was also really, I think, weird reading this right now where it's a, a transmittable sickness and they're talking about like getting close. And the ways in which it's transmitted, I was not totally clear on because I was like, well, you seem pretty close to this person who has it. So how do you not have it right now? But then they wouldn't have it. I don't know. I'm not super bothered I by w- it. But I will say in terms of the transmittable sickness, it was interesting because um, obviously this was probably written before COVID was oh, absolutely. a sparkle was in, a, in a viral particle's eye. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the whole, there's like this, there's this moment in the book where someone tears out their own throat in the middle of a restaurant and no one even like blinks because it's just been happening so often and i think she wrote that to have shock value like this is how desensitized these people are to like death and violence and then i was sitting there like i mean we're losing how many people a day right now i don't even know what we're up to like four thousand people a day and malls are still open so like that's like how people are that's true yeah um just going about eating at your restaurant just sitting there yeah like i went to ikea yesterday for what you know Oh, we need a bookshelf really bad. Oh, we don't have enough storage in our apartment. And we really needed, we we're going to get bins for it. It's a whole thing. We're doing a whole like organization overhaul, you know. Exciting. Don't get Corona from the Ikea though. Ikea is actually maybe one of the safer places because it's huge. You have no problem social distancing at Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> did I say my believability rating? I don't know if you actually did. Or did you just tag team onto what I said? I don't think I said my believability rating. Okay. My believability rating. For believability, I give it a four. I feel the same way as you, as I have already expressed. Um, I also felt that the, like, motivations of the main characters were really believable. And that, like, Juliet's struggle with Roma and her feelings about Roma and into all of these things is really believable. So I appreciate that. Above average believability. So what will our totals be? What does that bring Mine us Mine is 4.2. Nice. Did you round up from a 4.6 teen or 4 point? I did. Okay, because I, I have a 4.16. So. Okay, so ours is literally just the same rating. <laughs> we we got the same rating. <laughs> got the same rating. So. I did round up on Goodreads to a five. I did too. I, felt that I she deserved yeah. the hype. Yeah, the Goodreads rating is always going to be different for me from my bookends rating because we have our um, nothing is perfect. Uh, freshman year English teacher thing that we do that I do not do with Goodreads. So, I mean, you do that with Goodreads a little bit. Yeah, I'm harsh. <laughs> yeah, you're harsh on Goodreads. I'm a little I am nicer there than I am here, but... Yeah, but a little harsher than me. So, a good book! I finished it yesterday, and then I turned to my boyfriend, and I said, that was a really good book! And he was like, okay, and I was like, I know you don't care about this, but that was a really good book! I liked that book! Get a load of that book. No, it was excellent. Get a load of that book. Get a load of that book. Oh, good Get book. a load of that book. I want to know what the next <laughs> one's called. We do not know. We do not know. I don't, I don't, I don't think. Um, it might be released somewhere. I don't know. But that kind of is a good little segue into what, what are we reading next? I don't know. It's your pick. What are we? Oh, I forgot it's my pick. Okay. <laughs> well, we... <laughs> I'm so sorry. 
<laughs> oh, anyway, we're reading Lore by Alexandra Bra- Bracken. Bracken? Alexandra Bracken. I'm going to settle on that pronunciation. Uh, it was released January 5th of this year. Um, so we were still in its first month of existence. Yay. And it is, I like the cover. It's fun. It's neat. It is, I don't know why. It's a, a Greek retelling. Um, I don't know why that's that's compelling to me right now. I don't know what you it is. A, I kind of want a Greek. I, I just like want things that are somewhat familiar right now. I don't know. I don't know if it's a comfort thing. Who's to say? But I'm excited for it. People seem to too. like it. We had a black cover this month, and next month we're going to have a white one. So I think we should just start doing like a rainbow for the rest of the year. And <laughs> then at the end, like we down. end on purple. Yeah, it'll be fine. But I'm excited. Are you excited? I am. It's also like modern, though. It's in New York. Ooh. So Ooh. a lot of I don't know. We'll see. I, I haven't really read a, a modern retelling of a Greek anything it's percy jackson and i don't think this is anything like percy jackson <laughs> yeah probably not just going off of the cover at the very least i mean i didn't read the synopsis but it's described as a high octane tale of power destiny love and redemption so all things quote, you could sweepingly ambitious jackson. also something you could say about percy jackson sweepingly ambitious sweepingly ambitious but uh, i think that's gonna do it for us today that will do it for us thank you so much for listening and being with us um, it is Monday when this is coming out, which means that either tomorrow or later in the week, I will have fun author news. So if you want, you can follow me at Graybola on Twitter, where I will be talking about things that I write occasionally, only sometimes the other times I'm playing Animal Crossing. You can also follow us at Bookends Siblings on Twitter or Bookends Pod on Instagram, because we have an Instagram now. And Bookends Siblings was taken on Instagram, because I guess I other people... Know. Who took it? <laughs> I don't know who took it, but I wish they would give it to us because I would like continuity across all of our platforms because our website is also bookandsiblings.com. So go check us out on all of those things. We also have a new look. I'm very excited about it. It's cute. Yes. It makes me happy. I drew it. You can all clap for me now because I illustrated it. So. And you did an amazing job. Thank you. Thank you very much. We have matching dimples, as you all can see. So, yeah, I am Gray Bulla. And I'm Marcy Bulla. And this has been Bookends. A literary podcast. We'll see you next month. Goodbye. Bye.